it takes a very special and a very humble man to be able to talk about following Jesus in such a manner. And I think we should really take the chance and opportunity to learn and listen from Carrie, because he's a man who really sets an example in, in having, I don't even know how to describe it. I have never met anybody else, any minister before, who is so eager to learn from others, who is so eager to change and continually grow in his character. It's a humility that really inspires me and makes me love coming out and visiting all of you guys. And it's an example that I think really fuels the special things that happen here. It's a desire to become more like Jesus. And I think only those who really embody that in their ministry, in their family, and in their life can have a powerful impact in preaching it. So thank you, Carrie, for setting such a great example and for being such a great friend. Let's pray. <laughs> Dear God, thank you that you put amazing men and women into our lives. Father, we pray that you speak through Carrie tonight as he teaches us to become like the one, God, as we strive to become like your son. That is our mission. That is our goal, to embody and glorify King Jesus. Father, I pray that this wonderful weekend we have here, God, that we won't just leave what we've learned here, but we'll take it home to our campuses and really show Jesus to this world. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Sorry, I'm having mic issues here. There we go. All right, uh, so I know I tell you guys this when, when we're leading worship and things, but uh, I really do believe that there's no other place I'd rather be this weekend than here with you guys. And uh, the, the real reason for that is it's the truth that we're one big family. Uh, I remember years and years and years ago now, for the fir when I first met people, when I first met Donnie, and then I met, I met Lynn and Carol, and then I started meeting all Lynn and Carol's people, and then, you know, somewhere along the way, I ran into Mackie, and I met Mackie, and, I, and you know, all these different people that I, uh, that I ran across and met have touched my life, they've blessed my life, they've changed my life, and I believe they've made me a better man. And when I look at the ministries that are here, and all of you that I've met along the way, you all have done that same thing. You've, uh, you really have changed and blessed my life, and I'm grateful for you. Uh, before I jump into the lesson, I got to talk about this a little bit the other day uh, for one of my classes, but a lot of you weren't able to be there. I want to talk to you just for a second before I jump in about the reason we chose One Fam, why this kind of became what it did and what it initially was designed to be and what we hope someday here we get going. But uh, so those of us from St. Louis have, uh, have watched our, our city be torn apart by disunity, by problems, by racial issues, and a few of uh, my guys and I were talking and we were like, man, I really wish there was something we could do. And so we started kicking around this idea and we started talking about how really the answer to all the problems that are going on in our country with this is the kingdom of God. That's the real answer. And if you look around this room for a second, you'll see pretty quickly that's the case. Because this is one of the most diverse crowds you're going to see anywhere. 
It's hard to get much more diverse than this. And so what we decided to do is we wanted to build an app and we wanted to call it OneFam. And we're actually, I'm talking to app developers right now to do this. And we wanted to have this app and we want to have this logo. And if you haven't caught it yet, if you're ever a kid and you're saying, you know, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, right? And so when we did this logo, we we're like, that's what we want. All right. <laughs> Whoa, everybody's mind. That's amazing. <laughs> just a kid's song, guys, you know. But uh, it is something that we looked at and we're like, and so what we want to do is, and hopefully we're going to get this out to you guys eventually, but what we wanted to do is have an app to where you take a picture and you're able to post that picture with the OneFam sticker or logo on it, hashtag it OneFam and share it, but not just any picture. What we want to do is we want you to be able to go out to your campus and use this as an opportunity for the kingdom of God and say, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple of Jesus. And we believe that we're, we should be one family, and that's the way God designed it to be. And you go to your campus, and you find people who look different than you. You go find someone whose skin tone is different than yours, and you say, hey, I want to snap this pic with you, and I want to share it to show people that we can love each other. And you do that, and it's a chance to talk to them about why you feel that way and about why you love the way you do is because of Jesus. He's the only answer to the issues that we're facing, and that was gonna, that's going to be something we can use as a tool for the kingdom of God, but also to pull people together. And, and that all came about because when we looked at our campus ministry and we look at this, is the, the love, the unity, the diversity that's here is incredible. And it's exciting. And the reason that we have that really boils down to the fact that of what tonight's lesson is all about. It's about you and I making a decision that we are going to become like the one. We're one family, we have one father, and we have, he had one son who he sent here, and that one son is the one who you and I, when you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you made a decision that said, from now on, my life will be about being like him. But I have a question for all of us that we need to ask ourselves, and that question is this. Is becoming like the one really what your life is all about? Is that really what you search for, or is there something else in your life that is that one thing that you're striving after, that you're longing for, that you're passionate about, that you're on fire for, that you love more than any other thing on this planet? What is that one thing for you? For some of you, it might be grades. You might go to school and you might strive to, to make the right grades. That's the thing for you. For some of you, it's sports. For some of you, family. Others, it's popularity. Others, respect. For other people, the one thing that you search for and try to grab more than anything is your own comfort and your own desires. It's fun. It's pleasures. It's a girl. It's a guy. And I don't know for you what that one thing is, but I all know we're searching after something. And if as disciples of Jesus, we don't get that one thing right, there is no hope for the world to ever know the Son. And that's why this weekend really boils down to the question of whether or not you are going to give your entire life, your entire being, your entire soul to become like the one. And so what I believe that we have to do if we're going to become like the one is we have to ask ourselves some questions about what does that really look like? What does that mean? What were the things that the one, what were the things that Jesus valued? What were the things that he, he worked so hard to establish? What did he come here to do? 
And we need to ask ourselves those questions and we need to start doing those because until becoming like the one becomes your one goal, your life will never amount to what it could whenever you put God above everything else. And so tonight I want to look at basically just three areas that I believe that if we do, if we become like the one in these areas, we will change the world. And everything can be different for everyone you come into contact with. You will do a better job of being a brother or a sister in Christ. You will do a better job at being a son or daughter of the, of the one father. You will do a better job in every relationship you face if you do these things. See, I believe that if we're going to become like the, the one, the first thing we have to do is I have to obey and honor the father like the one did. I have to obey him and honor him the same way that Jesus did. And, and we're going to read through a bunch of passages tonight pretty quickly, so you've got to pay attention. But John 5, 19 says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. You see, Jesus came here and he said, listen, my goal is to be connected to the Father. My goal is to be like him. And whatever he sees, whatever he does, that's what the Son is going to do. And as disciples of Jesus, when we've claimed that our number one goal is to be students endeavoring to be like our teacher, our goal has to be that same thing. John 12, 49 and 50. For I did not speak of my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and all that I have spoken. And I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Everything you see, everything you, should, everything you do should be to become like the one. Whatever I say is just what the Father has told me. That's what Jesus was able to say with a clear conscience. See, sometimes I think, you know, people are preaching to us and they say, how are you doing at this? And we're like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. And I think the reason we act like we're doing better than what we are is because we, we have forgotten what the standard is. And the standard is Jesus. And he could say, everything I did, everything I said is exactly what the Father told me to say. And our goal if we're to become like the one, should be to say the same thing. Everything I do, everything I see, everything I say is exactly what the Father wants me to do. John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus came here to do whatever God told him to do. The problem with us is that we have our own wills, we have our own desires, we have our own wants, and those often come into conflict with what God desires for our lives. And at that point, we are making a decision whether or not we are going to honor our commitment to become like the one, or are we going to choose what we desire and what we want? You see, when we fall into sin, when we make decisions and we rebel against God, we are choosing not to be like the one. He came here to do the Father's will. How have you been doing it, doing the Father's will? Are you sticking to those things? Another verse, John 12, 27. Jesus said, for this purpose I came to this hour, Father, to glorify your name. He came here to obey God and to shine a big spotlight on him. To let the whole world know 
We serve a God who is worthy of our respect, of our loyalty, of our honor, and we're to bring glory to him. When you think about your life, is it doing that? Is it shining a spotlight towards God? Does everything you do, do you, do you strive to bring glory to the king? When you go to school and you sit in your classes and the example you set by the way, how serious you take your classes at night when you go out and hang out with your friends, what are you doing? Are you, is, is your mindset saying, everything I do should be pointing towards the glory of God and how powerful and how incredible he is in everything he's done in my life. Because Jesus said, listen, everything I came here to do is to obey, to honor the will of the Father and to bring glory to him. Matthew 12, 47 through 50 says this. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my, my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. See, we came here to celebrate being one fam, right? That's, that's one of the reasons we came here. But you look at that passage and passages like John 8, 31, where Jesus says to the Jews who believed him, if you hold to my teachings, you are my disciples. And you start to realize that one of the conditions of being one of the family of God, one of the conditions of being a disciple of Jesus is obedience to him. And when we live outside of God's will, when we choose to disregard him and rebel against him, what we are saying is, I don't want to be a member of that one fam. I don't want to be a disciple. I, desire, I want what I desire. But everything in Jesus' life was built around doing what the Father wanted, what the Father desired, what the Father told him to do in bringing glory to him. Is that the case with us? Everything he did was to obey and honor the Father. He understood his role. He came here to, so that people could see God and they could have a relationship with him. If I'm going to be like the one, I have to obey and honor the Father like the one. The second thing I have to do is I have to love the family like the one. I have to love the family of God like the one. You realize that the Bible connects our relationship with one another to our relationship with God, and also our ability to reach the lost. All of those things are connected. Do you realize that? That's why God says things like, hey, if you, if you have a problem with your brother or sister, before you come and bend at the altar before me, you go deal with that problem. Because you, you need to love the family like the son did. He also says that the world's going to know that we're his disciples. We're going to be a city on a hill when they what? Whenever they look and they see that you're obeying the Father. See, we, we show our love for the family whenever we do those things. The first thing, the first way I think that we love like the family is we have to choose to connect to each other. And a lot of these are things we've hit on all week, guys. Look at Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7. In your relationship with one another, all right, so what's he saying? The way you treat each other, have the same mindset as Christ, Jesus, as the one who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage, rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So what the Bible says here says, listen, in your relationship with each other, you need to be like the one. And what did the one do? He gave up heaven to connect with us as a human. He wanted to show us the importance of relationship with one another, that it was, he was willing to give up being in heaven with God to come ensure that we could have relationship with God and relationship with each other. And we've got to have the same mindset as the one that says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to connect with my family. And then you look at everything Jesus did throughout his life, how he went and he would connect. He would go and call people to him. He would stay up late. He would lose sleep. He would go without food. He would do whatever it took to connect with us. But for some reason, your campus minister has to argue and fight with you to get you to show up to the things you should be at. To contact your brothers and sisters on a daily basis like the first century church did to encourage one another daily. The one came here to connect with us. He gave up everything to make a connection. If we're going to love our, this one fam like the father did, we have to connect with them. You can't be a rogue disciple and call yourself a disciple. The Bible tells us very clearly that if we're not connected or if there's issues between one another here, that we're not connected with God the way that we should be. And Jesus was the epitome of connection. How connected are you to your brothers and sisters in your ministry? If I'm going to love the family like the one, I have to be willing to comfort them. You can't comfort someone, first of all, that you're not connected to. You have to connect to comfort. But look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, that's what Jesus came to do was to comfort us, to take care of those things that we weren't able to handle on our own. And there is passage after passage after passage where those very same things are commanded of you and I in our relationship with each other. There are also passages, camp students, there are passages where that's commanded specifically for you to do for your leaders. You realize that? To make their burden easier, not heavier. Are you bringing comfort? Are you, are you lifting the burden of your brothers and sisters and the things they're facing? Because that's what Jesus came here to do. He came here and he connected with them and he brought comfort and he, and he lifted the burden that was upon our shoulders. Because that's how much he loved us. Are you loving the family like the one I have to connect, I have to comfort? I also can't be afraid to challenge my brothers and sisters. That's one of the very clear things that you see how Jesus shows the apostles and the disciples that followed him how much he loved them. He was not afraid to be very straight and very challenging with them. Matthew 8, 24 through 27. Uh, you know, they get themselves, he's connecting with them, and, uh, they're, and they're out together, and they actually get in a boat. And it says, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping, and the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Here's his reply. You have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm, and the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And you notice how he handles them there. They're freaking out. He's like, would you chill? Where's your faith at? Relax. I got this. 
And, and, and we can sit here and we can go through passage after passage where they would say things. And Jesus would say, why are you worried about who's going to be at my right and my left? Get your act together. Right. You know, you look, we can go through passage after passage after passage where he says, hey, I'm challenging you to be more. He tells one of them to get behind me, Satan. But sometimes in our campus ministries, we're not very loving because we will allow our brothers and sisters. We don't say ministries to be involved in things that are completely ungodly, completely immoral. Yet we don't say anything to them or challenge them to, to a higher level or to be different or to deal with their sin because it's uncomfortable for us. Or we don't want to we don't want to engage in a conflict. So we don't do it. And rather than loving them and challenging them the way Jesus would, we let everything slide under the rug and we sweep it under and we hope it will just go away and we condemn our brothers and sisters to be lost. Jesus was not afraid. He loved the family so much. He wasn't afraid to call them higher. He wasn't afraid to call them to be more. That's what you do when you love someone. When you believe in someone, you dream for them and you push them and you challenge them. I tell this to my kids sometimes. I know sometimes my kids, they get held to a pretty high standard. And I know it's easy for them sometimes to feel like, man, I just can't, I can't do all of this. And I, and I tell them all the time, the reason that I'm pushing you, the reason I want you to be so much, the reason I challenge you is because I desperately love you and I know what you can be and who you can become. And if I didn't think you were capable, then I would never ask these things of you, but you are competent. You are capable. And so I want to hold you to a high standard because I love you too much to let you live a life of mediocrity, to let you have a spiritual relationship with God that is less than what it should be. I love you that much. Even if you're angry with me, I'm going to continue to push that because I know that is what is best for your life. And that's what the one did for the people who surrounded him. So that's what I'm going to do for you. We have to hold each other to a, to a standard because we love each other. We have to challenge and push each other. You can't do that if you are unwilling to connect and you're unwilling to comfort. It's hard to challenge people. See, those things go together, and we need to make sure that we're doing all of those things. The third thing that we have to do is we have to be about the mission and the purpose of the one. You know, in Luke 2, 49, it's kind of funny the way that Jesus handles the situation where his, he, they go to the temple, and uh, his mom and dad can't find him. You guys remember that? And, they, and they're... And they're as a parent, you freak out. As a matter of fact, so this weekend, there was a point, one point where we couldn't find Lincoln. And I was like sweating it out. I'm like, what is he doing? And he kept running off. And when I found him, I just wanted to shake him. You know what I mean? I never shake a baby. But I wanted to shake him, right? I was like, what is he doing? You know, because I was, I was freaking out. And I can imagine Jesus' parents like that. You know, they're looking around. They can't find him anywhere. Finally, they run into him in the temple. And, and, and they're like, <laughs> what are you doing? And he says to them, how is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? From the time he was a little kid, he was about the mission and purpose of God. He was about the father's business. Do you have that, that uh, clip? I mean, let me, okay, so most of you, well, I don't say most of you. A lot of you probably have, aren't going to have any idea uh, what this is all about, but you're, you're about to see. I don't know why, when I thought about being about the father's business, this is what came to my head. So uh, being about it means you do, you're down to do whatever. And this song came to my head. <laughs> I
never Anybody know this back. song? Turn it up, turn it up. This for the radio though, dude. Listen to what this thing. Y'all say about Queen and Sir. Y'all was gonna play this one on the radio. Y'all bought it? Represent. You gotta be bodied though. You're bodied? I'm bodied, bodied. If you bodied, bodied. We'll say you bodied, bodied. I represent. Whenever I thought of that, whenever I thought about this point, that's what I thought. But can we go back to the beginning of that video for just a second? And look what it says at the very beginning of this video because it's perfect. Being bodied means that you're down to do whatever it takes. And the question that we need to ask ourselves are we really bad about it when it comes to the Lord's mission and what he's given us to do? And, and I think the problem is Jesus is so clear in this. The one is so clear in this. He's looking at his mom and dad and he's shaking his head and he's like, what is wrong with you? Why wouldn't you know where I am? Because you know what I'm about. I'm about the father's business. That's what I'm here to do. So why would you suspect that I'm anywhere else? Wouldn't it be incredible if we live the kind of lives as, as, as students to where when people look at our lives, there's no doubt about where you are or what you're doing and no one has to question it because they're like, hey, you know what, I, where's Jonna at today? I don't know, but I know she's about the father's business. I know she's about, about it, I know what she's doing. I know what she's doing on campus. I know what she's doing in the dorms. She's doing the father's business because that's what her life is about. Wouldn't it be incredible if all of us were able to say that and to say we're about doing what the Lord put us here to do and there was no question in his mind or in anyone's mind in your ministry what you were truly about. You know, look, look at these passages and, and, and let's see what Jesus says he came here for. Mark 2, 13 through 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake and a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw, he saw Levi sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at his house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. And there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law and the Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard him ask this question and he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. He's explaining what the father is about right there. And all the religious people around him didn't have a clue. They're like, I don't get, what's his problem? Why would he go eat with those people? Doesn't he know that when he's on campus, he should be seeking out the religious kids and making sure that they have a good place to go to church? Is that what he would say? No. He would say, why are you hanging out with each other? Why are you so consumed with being around people who already have a relationship with me? Because they're not the ones you need to be in contact with. The healthy are good to go. Why are you dragging them to the doctor? It's the sick that need help, and that's what the Father sent me here to do. That's what the one was about, and that's what we should be about. Rather than when we're on campus and we see people and we see the things we're involved in, rather than turning our nose and turning our heads, what we need to be doing is we need to be looking at them and remembering when we were sick before the physician, the great physician, got involved in our lives. And you need to remember the nights that you spent in your dorm and the nights that you spent at night thinking about the party you went to and how you cheapened yourself or the dumb decisions you made when you were drunk or the, all those things that, that, that were destroying and making your life so sick and remembering those times and remembering I needed the physician. I needed, I needed the one to step into my life and that's what he's about. Is that what I'm about when I go to school?
Am I about finding people who need him? Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What did he come here for? What was he about? He was about seeking and saving the lost. Mark 1, 38. Jesus said to them, let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I can preach there also. Why? Because that's what I came here for. He's like, all right, we've done everything we can here. Let's go rest. No. Let's go chill together. Let's go. No. I, we've done everything we can here. Let's go to the next town. Let's find some more people because that's what I'm about. That's what I'm here for. 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. John 3.16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son to the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Because guess what? That is what the Father and the Son are about. They're about seeking and saving that which is lost. And we have been called to become like the one. And if that was the major focus in his life, shouldn't it follow that that's the major focus in our life? I can't believe, you guys, I've had, I've had arguments with people where they tell me that the Bible doesn't command us anywhere to be evangelistic. I'm not, and you laugh, I'm not joking. I am serious as a heart attack. There are people who will argue that with you because they don't want to get up and go do what they were called to do. How can you say that whenever Jesus over and over and says, this is what I'm about, this is what I came here for. You're a disciple, a student endeavoring to be like their teacher. You're supposed to be a son of God becoming like the one, but yet act like you don't have a responsibility to the lost around us. It's not compatible with the gospel. That's what we've been called to do. And if you don't believe it, look at what the Bible says about it. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. All this is from God, all right? So it's from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Does it say it gave it to, to, the, to Jesus alone? No, he sent Jesus so that we could be ministers of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins and trespasses against them, but entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. You notice it says there that Jesus came to deal with our sin, but then it says, but then he entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. The one put his trust in the fact that you were going to become like him and make sure that you carried that message to the entire world. He has put his trust in the fact that you are going to follow through on what you said you were going to do whenever you died to yourself and were baptized into him. He said, I am entrusting this to you. He gave us the most special, the most special gift ever and said, I'm putting this in your hands. Do what you're supposed to do with it. But too many times we tuck it away somewhere and we don't do what we've been asked to do and we hide it and we hoard it and we keep it for ourselves when there's a dying and hurting world out there who are longing to be reconciled to God. They just don't know it yet. The one came here to do that. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 
You know, Jesus is dying. The last thing that someone says to you, if you love someone and that la those last conversations that you have with them, those are words you want to hold on to forever, right? They're the important, because you know when it comes close to the end, they want to tell you the important things. Look what Jesus says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and I am with you always to the end of the age. Tell me again how Jesus doesn't tell us we're supposed to be evangelistic. It's the Great Commission. It's one of the most well-known scriptures in all the Bible. He has, he has commanded us to take what we've been given to all the world. Romans 10, 11 through 15 how can they then call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The one was about the mission and purpose of God. There's a lost world longing to have what we have. And so often we leave them longing. We leave them wanting something more and not knowing where to find it. And the beautiful feet of disciples of Jesus are keeping their feet planted instead of moving their feet and going and finding the lost, seeking and saving the lost and making sure that they know what it means to have a relationship with God. We have been called to become like the one. To love and honor and obey the Father like the one. We have been called to love the family like the one. We have been called to be about his purpose and his mission like the believe it when I tell And guys, I, I've already told you this and I think you know this and I think you believe it when I tell you this. So I'm not trying to be hard on us, on you. Why are we still in this stinking room? If we are becoming like the one and we're about the mission and purpose of God, why are we in this stupid room still? Not, I don't mean right now, but let me... Matt, where are you at? Lynn, where are you at? Will you do me a favor? Will you open this? Will you open this, this, this wall right here? Okay, now listen to me while they're doing that, you guys. Every year... We come here and we talk about why we're here. We come here and we talk about the mission and the purpose of God. And every single year we talk about how hey, maybe next year we won't fit in this room, don't we? Okay, do you remember the story that Jesus tells about the banquet? Anybody remember that story? Or the wedding feast, you remember it? You know what happens? He tells them, he says, go invite these people to come to the wedding. And they go to the banquet. Hey, look over here for a minute. Don't worry about them. Look over here. <laughs> he tells them, he says, hey, go out. I want you to invite these people to come to this feast. And they go out and they do it. And they come back. And what happens? Hardly no one comes, right? So he, what's he tell them then? He says, no, now go invite these people. And he sends them out. And what happens? Is the room full? No. And then he says, what does he finally tell me? He says, listen, at the end of the story, he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to go out into the streets, into the gutters. I want you to go out wherever you have to go, and I want you to make sure that you find every single person you can, and I want you to bring them to this room because the Father's house needs to be full. And the reason that he did that and the reason that he sent them to the people he sent them to is because they were sick and they were in need of a doctor. Because they were, their lives were falling apart. Because they didn't have a relationship with God. And the one is not okay with having a half-empty house when he still had seats available. But we're satisfied to come here. And I like, like you guys know this. I love you guys. I love video. When I'm singing up here, I'm just, sometimes I just put my mic down and smile. Because I love you guys that much. And I love what God has done in your life. And as you're doing the church clap, I just sit here and laugh. Because not because, well, some of it's because some of you just are hilarious to watch dancing. But <laughs> some of it, but some of it is because I look at you guys and I just laugh because I know where you would have been on a late night, Saturday night, in your old lives. And it wasn't doing the church clap. It would have been some other kind of clap y'all would have been doing, or getting, all right? I'm just saying. So, and I say that, and, and it is fun, and I'm, and I'm obviously, in a, in a way I'm teasing, but I'm also serious. I'm also serious. Think about it. Look over here as they're doing this for a minute now. What is, what are those rooms filled with? Chairs. What kind of chairs? Empty chairs. Why are we in this stupid room every year? Because the Father's house isn't full. And it's never going to, it's never going to be full because the Bible says that his desire is that all men are to be saved. But whenever he looks out at the harvest, is the problem that there isn't a harvest there? What's the problem? The workers are few. I'm so sick of being in this room. It drives me nuts every year. Because if we were truly becoming like the one, if our mission and our person, if we looked in our, and we looked and we said, you know what? Everything I do is going to be to fulfill the will of the Father and I'm going to shine a big spotlight on him. If everything, if everything we were doing to become like the one, we became a loving family that the world had never seen anything like it before and they looked at the church as a city on a hill, they'd be like, I want that. If everything we did was built around the, the mission and purpose of the Father like the one, we would not fit in this dinky room we're in. Look at those. This does not represent an empty chair alone. It doesn't represent a number. It represents a soul. It represents a life that was just as screwed up as you were before you found God. And look how many of them are sitting over there. And once we're done with this venue, there's a bigger one down the road and there's a bigger one down the road and there's a bigger one down the road because God's desire, the one's desire, was that all might be saved. I don't want to fit in this room next year. Do you guys? It takes us becoming like the one 
takes us loving and obeying and honoring God like the one. It takes us loving one another, this big family that we have like the one. And it takes us loving the lost and seeking and saving them and going into all the world and baptizing people so that they're able to experience the good life that we get to experience. Are you about it or not? If we're really about it, we won't be in here next year. Exactly. <laughs> We've got some decisions to make. But I have no doubt in my mind that God can use us to change the world. You know, having the teens here is awesome, isn't it? Hey, teens, stand up for a minute, teenagers. Okay, stay there, stay there, stay there. All right, now listen for a second. It's awesome having them here because I love seeing our, stay, stay standing up for a minute, please. And I hope we get more teens to come in the future, but this section right here gives us a false sense of accomplishment. Because in all honesty, while I'm glad they're here, that whole section should be full of college students. And if it weren't, this group wouldn't be much larger than it has been the couple years before. Teens, you all need to take that whole, this whole section next year. And your older, your older brothers and sisters need to set the pace for you. It's hard being a teenager. You guys have been there, right? We need to set the pace for our brothers and sisters. Like the one set the pace for us. You guys can sit down. We need to become like the one in every area of our lives and God will do incredible things. But we gotta choose if we're gonna be about it or not. Just a minute, we're gonna pray. You guys have been awesome. I know you have time tonight where you're gonna, you're gonna um, get to talk with your groups. I want you to be really honest about what you're really about but also making some commitments that you're gonna be about becoming like the one in all of those areas and making some commitments about how it's, what it's gonna look like. How am I going to be like the one when it comes to, to obeying and honoring the Father? How am I gonna become like the one when it comes to loving the family? And how am I gonna be like the one and about being, about being about the mission and purpose of God? Because that's what we've been called to, that's what we signed up for. So let's do what God has called us to do. We're gonna pray, we're gonna sing one last song, and then, uh, Carol, do we have announcements or anything? Donnie does, all right, so we're gonna pray and then we're gonna sing, let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, uh, thank you for this weekend, God. Uh, I love our students here, God, all of them from all of our ministries. Uh, it's, it's encouraging, I got to go to the encouragement table, finding encouragement, God, because, uh, and one of the reasons I went is just simply having the opportunity to sing and watch people worship and God to, to see him cry, to see him laugh, to see uh, my, my big man back in the, in the back of the auditorium in the red with his hands up, this strong, burly looking man who God uh, isn't afraid to put his hands in the air for you. God, it's just so encouraging to see uh, the lives and the hearts that have been changed here. God, but I pray that you help us to become like your son and God, that, that one more uh, become something important to us. 
God, that becoming like your son becomes important to us, that all of those empty chairs in that room next to us, that we, we realize those are broken hearts and broken lives and broken and lost souls over there, God. And I pray that you will help us to remember that, that you will help us to do everything that we need to do so that we can uh, turn this world upside down for you, God. Help us to be people um, who are touched by heaven, who are touched by your son, God, so that we really can change the earth around us and that things can be so much different for everyone that we come into contact with, God. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen.